This is Maynard Okereke, better known as the Hip Hop MD, and you are tuned in right now to Mastermind. You are now Know where my limit is? Only got no O's. It's like they just wanna see you struggle. I swear they don't wanna see you shine. It's like they just want you to bleed and they want you to fall. They don't want you to be with the streets up Welcome to Mastermind, the home of black excellence and self mastery. Yes, your host, Mr. G. Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self mastery. Our next guest is a science communicator that goes by the name of the Hip Hop MD. He's a former high school valedictorian and a graduate of Washington University. He received both the Asteroid Award for the Best Streaming Content and the People of Change Award for his community outreach efforts. After years in the field of civil engineering, he decided to chase his passion in the world of STEM and entertainment. Thus, the Hip Hop MD was born. His hip-hop science show aims to engage more Black people into the field of STEM. He does this by taking the complicated world of science and breaking it down into a simple and entertaining format. He has collaborated with the Natural History Museum, many tech companies, and multiple school districts to spread his message. Let's welcome today the hip-hop MD, Mr. Maynard Okereke, to the program. Mr. Okereke, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, man pleasure is ours man i was uh getting some laughs watching uh some of your programs on <laughs> instagram and everything so definitely have some fun today man i know people might be looking at you the hip-hop md and they might be thinking you know, are you performing hip-hop and speaking some science facts like on top of that like what does that title kind of mean because i know uh it, it, people might be you know their imaginations might be running wild with that title so what exactly does the hip-hop md mean and what do you do yeah, uh, it's funny you bring that up because, yeah, a lot of times I do have to explain exactly what this hip hop science platform is, right? A lot of times people assume, oh, you must be rapping science. That's kind of the first thing that they talk about. Uh, really, the crux of what I do with my platform is to utilize music, entertainment, and comedy to educate on all sorts of different scientific topics. Uh, I'm really about that fusion of showcasing that there's science and everything that's around us. Uh, I grew up loving music, working as a music artist, performing myself, uh, but I was also always a science nerd. I graduated with my degree in civil engineering, worked as an engineer for a number of years, but I always felt that I had to be one or the other, right? I either had to be an engineer or, there, or if I'm a creative artist, I to be that, right? I never really could show, had a platform or way to be able to showcase my true authentic self in any circle that I was. And so hip hop science is really the fusion of everything that I'm about. Uh, and I want to showcase, especially to our youth, that you can be multi-talented, you can be ambitious, you can be creative, you can have all these other passions outside of education, uh, but still be educated as well, still have a love for learning, still have a love for curiosity and excitement and asking questions and wanting to be involved in STEM fields, uh, but also be hip, cool, into pop culture, all these different things as well. And so that's really at the foundation what the Hip Hop Science Platform is about. Got it, got it, got it. Another thing that you do also, too, is uh, obviously trying to get more Black, you know, kids and young people into the world of science and STEM. So for those of us that kind of don't know about that world, can you enlighten us on exactly, first off, like what STEM is? I, I know it's, it's a new term, but it, 
you know, it, it, it's been around for a long time, but it's a new term and some people still kind of don't know exactly what that is. So what does STEM mean and um, what exactly are some of the issues as it relates to STEM and Black people and people, you know, of color getting opportunities in that field? Yeah, absolutely. So STEM really stands an acronym, right? It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Uh, and there's a big movement on really defining it as STEAM, throwing the A in there. So now you have Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Math. There's this arts element. Uh, and that's really crucial as well, too, because it's really a way to showcase that all of these fields are artistic. And just like I showcased or talked about earlier in regards to why I started this hip hop science platform and being a music artist and also being an engineer, you can be creative. You can have all these other passions into all these different things, sports, entertainment, all of these other areas, uh, and still have a love for learning and be educated as well. And so that's the steam element of getting that hands-on, being able to be creative with all these different things that you do and be able to now bring creativity to the classroom and letting students ask questions and learn more about the world around them and showcase and bring their passions into things. If they love playing instruments, bring their instruments to the classroom and find a way to tie that into their discussions about technology and science and all these other areas. And so that acronym is really important because the STEM fields are the wave of the future. These are the fields that the high paying jobs are. These are the fields that are making game changing, innovative improvements to our world. These are the fields that are going to protect and ensure the sustainability and future of our planets. Uh, when it comes to things like climate change, when it comes to technological advancements, when it comes to medical advancements, when it comes to space exploration and being, being able to learn our place in the universe, all of these different things that are going to be crucial in helping us grow and continue to survive as humans uh, and protect humanity, they all, uh, have, they all have a basis and a foundation in the STEM fields. And that's why it's really important to highlight the opportunities that are available to everybody in these fields, particularly underserved, underrepresented communities, black and brown communities uh, who oftentimes are left out of this discussion, who oftentimes uh, don't have opportunities to be involved in these because there's lack of programming, lack of funding, lack of resources, uh, lack of representation. You don't have teachers that look like these students in the classroom inspiring them to go into these fields. And so there's a really big need and there's and a really big lack of minority involvement in STEM. Uh, you look at things like technology and everything like our cell phones and all these new technological advancements that we have. And you, uh, uh, you look at all these uh, places, Silicon Valley, all these different things, app developments, all these different areas, they're being predominantly dominated by white men at the end of the day. And you don't see people that look like us in these fields. And the fact that these are the same fields that are going to reshape our future, if we're left out of them, then we're also left out of the future that's supposed to be for us as well. And so that's why it's so important and crucial that our voices are heard and that we're represented in these fields so that we can bring that cultural understanding, that cultural awareness, that representation, uh, be able to highlight the issues around diversity uh, and inclusion that affect us as people. To really being able to bring our voices into these fields is so important. And so that's why I really try to highlight representation in STEM and why I try to do the work that I do in STEM of making it more exciting and entertaining and engaging to be able to have more voices and people that look like us represented in these fields so that we can be a part of that future that's inevitable for us. 
Got it. Got it. Great points, by the way, too, man. Um, And just science in general, man. I just remember my own experience in science class and stuff like that. And science could be a very boring subject matter and not 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 boring within itself, but boring in the presentation. So I'm glad that you're kind of highlighting that because it's not that science is boring itself. It's super interesting. But the presentation that we get it with, we're sitting in our desks, you know, what I'm saying a teacher is doing a lecture or whatever, and it might be like some pre-crafted uh, science experiment that has to be done and whatnot. And it's not like that many opportunities to explore and the teacher is not excited and it's not, you know, you're not getting hip hop in the class and stuff like that, man. So I think that's uh, great work you're doing. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, uh, Christopher Emden. I know he had some stuff that he was doing in classrooms, mixing uh, science with uh, hip hop and he was bringing uh, RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan in there and kids were like writing rhymes and all that kind of stuff and just doing some really fun things in the classroom, man. I think that's really what needs to, but like that's working really towards what will interest children and not just like, you know, this lecture that might be better suited for like a college type of atmosphere in science, but something for kids, man. So that, that is good work, man. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, Chris Emden, I, I follow him. I follow his platform and the work that he does with his hip hop ed and everything like that. Uh, and that's the basis that like we talked about when you talk about STEAM education, being able to bring the arts into the classroom. So not only are you having students talking about these different STEM fields, but you're letting them bring the creativity to the classroom. You're letting them write lyrics about some of the work that they're doing or being able to talk about their favorite artists or play instruments uh, to be able to have that dialogue because now you make it more comfortable. You make it a welcoming environment. You let these kids bring their true authentic self to the classroom and not feel like they have to leave their cool side outside of the classroom or that when they come to the school, it's all about learning and education and they have to be this rigid robot that just writes papers and, uh, and does tests. You can now be creative. You can now be able to tie these things that you love doing outside of the classroom into the classroom. And that intersectionality is really important when it comes to learning. Absolutely, man. And uh, speaking of the classroom, man, uh, we, I wanted to dive into kind of your own journey as well, like as a student, as a young child growing up in, in the world of science and education and all that. But before we dive into that, I know your mom is uh, Cameroonian and your dad is Nigerian, so you spent some time in Cameroon. Um, so what was that experience like? I don't know if you remember any of that. And then, um, mm -hmm. you know, coming back to the States, um, what, was, what was it like as far as your childhood goes? I left Cameroon when I was about four or five years old. So I was really young. So don't remember a lot to have like very, very faint memories. Uh, but I know foundationally, it was a big life changing moment for me, right? Those are my roots. That was my upbringing uh, and being able to grow up in the village that we grew up, right? Not having resources, uh, not having like running water, all these different things. Like I grew up in a very just in you know impoverished environment, but uh, I had family around me. Our family bonds were strong. Um, my parents were all about learning. My family that I was around was all about learning and education and really being able to build a better future for me. And so when I came back to the States, I kind of had that whole experience that really shaped me and defined me. Uh, and I think that really helped, uh, especially when I started, when I came back to the States and I started pursuing my education, I was really able to look at everything from a really unique perspective. Uh, going from nothing, you know, and now being in a place where these opportunities are available for me, uh, instilled work ethic. My parents instilled work ethic because I know my dad himself, he would write homework problems and homework assignments for me that he would make me do outside of the classroom. Uh, and their whole 
thought process was, I want you to have a better future uh, and better upbringing than I did. And so, as, especially as a West African parents and really parents in general, you always want the best for your child. You want your child to do better and have more than you had. And so you always want to instill that confidence in them. You want to be able to instill that education, that ambition, uh, and that work ethic into your uh, kids. And my parents did that for me. And that really, that crux of having that foundation and growing up in West Africa uh, and having that West African roots was really vital in just kind of me being able to embrace my future and take advantage of the opportunities that were afforded me. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, so coming back, you know, to the States, as far as your education goes, like what what type of, you know, kid were you? Um, I know you mentioned in previous interviews, like you were an explorer, like exploring the nature and the outsides and stuff like that. So what, what yeah. do you remember about that part of your childhood? And were you that kid in science class that was that was interested in the subject matter? And I know, you know, you can, obviously you did well. You were valedictorian. Um, but what what type of child were you growing up? And um, how did you, you know, kind of develop some of the things that you were able to develop? Uh, did hip hop come along to, during your, your school experience as well? So talk to us about those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was definitely an explorer growing up as a kid. I, I loved nature. I loved wildlife. Uh, I, I remember we had this pond not too far from my house and I'd go there either by myself or the friend and we just explore. We catch everything from frogs, snakes, salamanders, insects, anything that we could find. And I just kind of had this love for the natural world and environments and ecosystems. Uh, and that's actually what I wanted to study. Uh, I wanted to be a wildlife biologist. Um, and so like, I just had that fundamental love for learning. I was in class, I, I never missed a day of school. I always loved going to school. I did well in all my programs. I just had this knack and just kind of desire to learn more. I was always that kid that had his hand up asking questions all the time, always inquisitive. Uh, but at the same time, too, while I was in school, like I said, I was always into music and entertainment. I love being the center of attention. I love being in the spotlight. You know, you throw a camera on me uh, or any opportunity to be the center of attention, and I was on it, right? Uh, and so I, from, I started doing music uh, all the way back in elementary school, I remember my friends, we got together and we did a, a first uh, songs that we did. We tried to enter this talent show back in fifth grade. And we were writing like these inspirational songs like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X references and stuff. Uh, and so I always had that side of me, that like musical artistic side. Uh, and so I was always that kind of unique kid. Right. And I was in, I was big into like freestyle battles and freestyle competitions and stuff like that. And so I had that side and that look of me. I looked like you would look at, as you would assume a kid that's into music and art and artistry would look like. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, too, I was getting I was getting straight A's. I was uh, I, I was getting awards, all these different things in school at the same time. And people are always like surprised when they would see me or they hear the things that I was interested about. They're like, how are you able to do these things? Or why do you like, this is an awkward mix, right? Uh, and right. I think growing up, I always kind of had, especially as I got older, uh, it, that fusion of both these sides became a lot more difficult for me, right? Because, you know, think about it culturally, when you think about music and hip hop, there's a certain kind of persona that comes with it, right? There's this like hardcore persona, this street persona, right? This kind of hood mentality, you just got to have to bring to the game, right? To be... To, to have those uh, credibility as an artist, right? Uh, and I didn't fit that mode necessarily because I was also that kid that loved education and loved, you know, learning, right? And loved school, all these different things. Uh, and then vice versa, 
that education side didn't really garner itself to welcoming someone outside that was into music and arts and all these different things as well. And so I was always in this battle of like struggling between these two different worlds and trying to figure out where exactly I fit in these two different worlds and how to shred through them equally because I love them equally. Right. Uh, and so I grew up with that kind of struggle and it really wasn't until way later on when I started like doing this platform that I really found, you know, my calling and really found a way to be able to merge uh, the two. But growing up, that separation was always really difficult for me. Right. And, and your school experience was uh, predominantly white as well, right? Um, oh, growing up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was uh, I remember my graduating class in high school. We had like 419 people and maybe 10 to 15 black people. And wow. like that was not was not a lot. We were not really diverse at all. I grew up at my high school is in Vancouver, Washington, uh, not the most diverse area at all. And then also being West African, I was also battling that as well, too, because I was African and there weren't any other African students like me. You know, so I was one of the uh, of only a small handful in that matter. And so I always had that kind of cultural side, and that representative side to deal with as well, too, navigating with my peers, navigating with people that weren't used to seeing people that look like me or having to prove myself when I got into these fields later on or to be able to validate my credentials, all these different things. So yeah, that uh, the representation and uh, diversity side definitely played a factor growing up. You made it through. Okay. Obviously. I mean, you were the valedictorian. Um, so what, what could do that, man? Like, what did you talk about for your valedictorian speech? I'm, I'm curious about that. <laughs> well, it's was, it was funny. So like our, our school, we didn't, we didn't uh, go by the typical valedictorian name. So like we actually went by senior, we had senior boy and senior girl of the year. Those uh, are what I determined because uh, for whatever reason, I can't remember exactly what it is, but they didn't want to go some kind of thing around calling people valedictorian. So it was like senior boy and senior girl of the year. So that's basically the equivalent of, of, of our classes, like highest uh, honor for uh, your education in school. To me, that was that was just me, right? I never really thought much about it. Uh, I know looking back, talking to a lot of, some of my friends that I went to high school with, um, uh, people always look at me and like, yeah, you know, you were just super smart, right? Everybody always everybody always looked up to you and and uh, wondered why you're so smart. These and to me, that was just like what I was supposed to do, right? Like I right. grew up with West African parents, and to my parents, it was like you're either going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Like, <laughs> those are your options, you know college wasn't like an option for me. Like that was always a year. We may not have not known how we were going to afford it financially, but the expectation was you are going to do well in school and you are eventually going to college and you're going to get a degree in one of these <laughs> high level fields and you're going to have a successful career in these fields. All right. That's the expectation growing up in a West African household. And you could ask any African student, like they'll tell you the same, like that's your parents' expectation. So if I told my parents early on that, oh, I want to be a hip hop artist, like they would have looked at me crazy. Right. So <laughs> that was that other side of like, they, my parents knew I was into music and all these different things, but I never really looked at it as a viable career path. I never looked at it as a realistic option that I could pursue. I love doing it and I did it and I just did it really much as a pastime and as a hobby. Um, and it wasn't until later on when obviously I, I graduated and I got a career and everything like that, that I really found an opportunity to really go out and express my creative side and venture out into what it is I was truly passionate about. But originally going into uh, doing school and everything, there was no way that I was ever going to pursue 
uh, a career in entertainment, so right, that just wasn't an expectation. That just wasn't the expectation. That wasn't what my parents would approve of, you know. So right. I always had to deal with that growing up as well. Gotcha, gotcha. So you kind of went that route that your parents wanted you to go, and yeah. you uh, went to school in University of Washington for uh, civil engineering. So what what was that program like for you? And I know, like right after school, you were able to get a, a good paying position with a company and everything. So walk us through, you know, that those those whole steps right there. Yeah. So so actually, like I mentioned earlier, I actually went to school originally to study wildlife biology. That's what I was passionate. Ah, okay. about. So I was an explorer, right? I loved environments and ecosystems. I wanted to learn more about animals. I just had this love for the natural world, uh, and so that was my intended major when I got to the University of Washington in Seattle. Uh, and I remember my first year telling people what my intended major was. And I remember everybody was looking at me crazy. Like, you want to study what? You want to do wildlife biology? Uh, and I had everybody from peers, other students, uh, even educators that talked me out of doing wildlife science. They're like, you don't want to do that field. There's no opportunities for success in that field. And you're not going to have any opportunities to make any money in those fields. Um, they're like, you need to go where the money's at. You need to do computer science. You need to do engineering. Like that's where the money's at. Um, and I started hearing that regularly and regularly from people and also seeing the surprise in people when I told them that I wanted to pursue wildlife science. And so I started doing more research and learning more about engineering fields. And it wasn't too far-fetched. It wasn't like I feel like I did a 180, right? Like I was still a science nerd overall, right? I love technology, love design, all these different areas. Uh, civil environmental engineering encompassed a lot of things that I had a love for. I was still able to take some environmental courses, uh, still kind of be in that wheelhouse a little bit, uh, be able to apply a lot of engineering, mathematical design elements that I was knowledgeable about as well, too. Um, but looking back at it, especially doing the work that I do now, like I always go back, if I could tell my younger self, stick with what you love. And I try to tell this to students, especially young kids as well, stick with what you love. You're always going to have naysayers, people that are going to dis uh, dissuade you from doing what it is that you want to do. Because uh, now, now with my hip hop science platform, a lot of my content is focused around wildlife science and environmentalism and all these different things, right? Because foundationally, that's what I love. And uh, I've had so many opportunities open up for me to be able to do work in those areas. And so the kind of roundabout topic is that, yeah, I still came back to what I truly loved. Uh, but in regards to engineering, uh, that's how I eventually got into civil environmental engineering. Uh, and obviously I knew like the goal was, okay, this is going to be a great field that's going to open up doors for me. I'm going to be able to find a, a good paying job that's going to support myself, uh, that may be able to support my family, all these different things. And that was at that time, what was most important was, Hey, I got to get this degree. I was kind of going down that white picket fence, uh, expectation, right. Of like, right. go to school, get your degree. The next step would have been get married, have kids buy a house, all these different things, right? And that was the path that I was going on. Uh, but I was also not, not necessarily going towards what I was passionate about and what really fueled me. And it wasn't until later on that I started working and uh, really starting to dive into all these other interests that I really found my true self and found what was really important for me. Got it, got it, got it. So part of that process is... Um with the whole civil engineering. So can you walk us through exactly what civil engineering is, what it entails? So what was the work that you were doing? I know you were working with a con uh, construction company 
and everything. So what was that work? And then you're making a good amount of money, um, you know, making a good salary. You're living the dream, like you just mentioned. So yes. what was it about that that did not feel right? And then when was that moment that you knew like it was time for something else? Yeah. Well, in regards to civil environmental engineering, civil engineering has to do with anything that helps or supports people, right? Hence the, the civil in the name. Uh, so civil engineers obviously do things in regards to construction and building design and architecture. Uh, they also do things in regards to transportation, uh, railways, roadways, bridges, tunnels, right? All these different things that support civilization, that support people. In my specific area, I worked with this engineering firm called Turner Construction. They're a large general contractor. And so I was responsible for constructing buildings. Uh, my first project was a data center project for Microsoft. And I was responsible for managing different subcontractors on that project. Uh, I eventually did like the Seattle rent-a-car facility, did the headquarters for Nintendo, uh, did a lot of condominium and renovation projects as well too. Uh, a lot of heavy infrastructure projects, uh, got to be involved a little bit with the Husky Stadium renovation as well. Uh, and so these were really, really cool, like high infrastructure projects that involved a lot of pieces, a lot of different elements. I was a lead engineer on most of these projects. And so I was managing subcontractors. I was managing the schedule. I was managing costs and finances and all these different elements, uh, working with the design team, working with the owners, right, to be able to make sure that what we were designing met the owner's expectations, all these different things. So those are kind of the elements, at least in the field that I did of engineering and, and focusing particularly in construction. Uh, that was the type of work that I did. And so... I was working with Turner Construction uh, and I was there for about four years, about four or five years. Right after I graduated, I started working literally immediately, like a week after I graduated. Uh, they sent me out on this remote project that I was there for two years before coming back to Seattle. Um, and it was the job that I went to school for, right? Like I, I studied, did all these classes around engineering, all these to prepare myself for this job. Uh, and I was using my degree. I was learning a lot. Uh, my company was really supportive. They had me on this fast track path towards a leadership role because uh, I think they really identified that there weren't really a lot of people that looked like me in the company, right? And so that, that was kind of their focus on me. Hey, we want to make sure that we maintain a diverse workforce and we need you kind of thing, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, and I was really appreciative of that. They gave me a lot of support, gave me a lot of resources that I needed to be able to continue to work my way up. And I was working my way up in the company. Uh, but like I said earlier, even while I was in high school and college, I was into music and entertainment, all these different areas. And it didn't change when I was working professionally. Uh, so outside of work, I was still working as an artist, right? I was working on multiple album projects. Uh, so I'd get off 10, 12 hour shifts sometimes, and I'd be in the studio recording, or I'd be preparing for an audition that I had to record, or I'd be preparing to do a commercial gig that I got booked for. All these different areas, I was still exploring my creative side in music and acting. I was doing theatrical work too. I was working out at this big play that I was involved in. And so I had all these different areas outside of work, even working as an entrepreneur, right? And kind of starting my own businesses and business ideas with different friends. I was doing all these different extracurricular things outside of work. And I think for me, it really became a challenge because one, spreading yourself thin, right? Like as an engineer, I, I had I had heavy responsibilities at my work, right? It wasn't like I was going there for six 
eight hours or whatever and leaving or just kind of twiddling my thumbs. Like I'm working hardcore 10, 12 hours a day right. with, you know, with lots of responsibilities, right? And so I'd wear myself thin all day at work and then try to, you know, get enough energy to do all these other things outside of work. And it really became, came to this point where I was a lot more passionate about the things that I was doing outside of work, right? The music opportunities that were coming up for me, the acting opportunities that were opening up for me. These were the areas that I was really interested in. And that, and I loved, I looked forward, I'd be at work and there's some days that I'd struggle. I'd be in the office just like, oh my goodness, like looking at the clock, like when am I going to get out of here so I can do all these other things that I really wanted to do? Uh, and it really kind of hit this boiling point where I literally had to drag myself <laughs> to the office some days. I, I, was, I was just, I was frustrated. I was like mentally exhausted, really being able to try to balance these two different things. And I really wanted to give it a, a true shot. I really wanted to see where I can be able to take these entertainment opportunities if I really invested my time full time in them, right? Because I was investing my time full time in the work, but not into these other things that I was getting more and more passionate about. And so that's the boiling point that I hit where I was like, I got to make a switch and go after what I was in love with. Right. That that makes sense. Um, another thing, too, I think uh, in a previous interview, I heard you mention that you were also facing, you know, being one of the few black men in the company you know, people like, yo, you're the lead. Like they didn't, they, they would like, you know, say certain things or um, think that you weren't in charge of certain situations. So how did you deal with those type of things? And what were some of those things? And do you think that had something to do with you, like not wanting to be in that space as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. That definitely affected uh, me wanting to stay uh, in that field, right? Because at the end of the day, representation is important, right? You want to be able to walk into a room and see other people that look like you, see people that have that cultural understanding that you have, see people that have gone through the same turmoils and situations that you have, that you can talk to in a certain way, right? And be able to vibe with and connect with. And I didn't have that around me, right? I didn't have coworkers that looked like me. I was, you know, it was like two of us there in the company, you know, and like, and it becomes hard when you're doing that and you're going through that day in, day out, and you're not feeling inspired, you're not feeling motivated. Uh, and then on top of that, you're having to either prove yourself, right? I'm having to validate my credentials, prove why I'm here. If I have to walk into a meeting with new subcontractors or something that I'm dealing with, really be able to validate, oh, why are you the lead on this? Or why should I listen to you? Or I'm, you know, or 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 I have to uh, or I have to report back to you. And I didn't, and especially at that time, I didn't fit the mold, I didn't fit the look for an engineer, right? You'd see me, a lot of times people see me and I just, I, my swag was different, <laughs> dress was different, everything about me was just different, you know? Right. Uh, and so, so kind of breaking those traditional stereotypes of what an engineer is. And I dealt with that a lot, even through during school, while I was in school and pursuing my engineering degree, uh, people looking at me and thinking that, oh, you're just an athlete, you must play sports or whatever, and not realizing that I'm here on a full academic scholarship. You know, uh, so there was always that expectation of having to prove myself and validate myself and having to go above and beyond what my peers were doing. Right. They could just come in and just be themselves and get by. And I had to be on point with every single thing that I did. And I know a lot of black people, we deal with that in all sorts of different professions, not just in the STEM fields, in any profession. Right. Of having to validate your ability or your credentials uh, and having to do twice as much work for the same amount or even less credit than your peers. 
And so all of that definitely weighed on me and ha- played a big role in me wanting to make that switch because I was like, if I'm going to go through all this stress and everything like that, why don't I do that for something that I actually really, really, truly love and want to really be able to succeed in? And so that definitely played a role in me leaving my job, uh, you know, putting them in my resignation and going and pursuing entertainment work. Got you. So you pack it all up and you uh, head to Cali, man. Did you have things lined up in Cali or was it just like on a whim where you're like, yo, this is what I have to do. So what was that experience like for you to get kind of situated and everything? Yeah, it was, it, it was partly a whim, right? Like I, the only thing that I had planned out or mapped out was I had a place to stay. Uh, I was fortunate enough that I had some friends that I went to college with that I was really connected with that were living down in LA. Uh, and so I had some people that I could can be able to immediately collaborate and network with. Uh, one of my good friends at that time, he, uh, he helped me out uh, by g- uh, getting this room or this space at the apartment that was uh, that was vacant at the time. They held it for me for like a month while I was getting all my stuff ready to move down there. And so that was a godsend. I didn't have to go through the whole struggle of finding a place and all these different things like that. I had a place ready for me and I was able to move in right when I got there. Um, and so other than that, uh, the goal was, hey, I'm just going to figure this out. I had some money saved up. Uh, so I was like, okay, I got some funds that'll get me by for X amount of time. And now I just got to get down there and start doing some work. You know, uh, I didn't really know. I'd been down to LA a couple of times, didn't, but didn't really know the LA scene like that. Uh, but like I said, I had some friends uh, that were doing directorial, directorial work out here uh, and acting work as well, too. And so I was able to connect with them. They were able to give me alley hoops and uh, open some doors and stuff for me. And but I had to do the work. Right. I had to go out there, go into auditions, finding agents, all these different things, getting out to places, networking, connecting with other people, uh, building, uh, uh, you know, finding my tribe, all that stuff. Uh, and it was definitely hard. It was a hard adjustment for sure. Uh, LA is a really unique scene, right? A lot of people come out here for that reason to pursue their dreams in entertainment. So you're competing with all these different aspiring artists. You're competing with all these different people that have these passions and are trying to do the exact same thing that you're doing. Uh, and so you're going through that constant fight and that constant struggle. And so that was definitely a tough adjustment. Uh, but at the same time, I loved it. I was energized. I was fueled by it, especially early on, because I came out here and that was my passion. That was like what I wanted to do. And now I was fully living my dreams, right? I kind of put the engineering stuff to the side uh, and I was just fully immersed full time into being an entertainer. And I'd never had that, I'd never had that opportunity before, right? I'd always been balancing and juggling between different things. And this was now my time to really focus on what I was passionate about and really see where I can be able to take these opportunities in music and acting. Right, right, right. Uh, so part of that was the birth of your hip hop science show. So how did that come about? Was it like something that was planned out or was it just through the process of you creating content? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that solely came out through the process of me creating content. Uh, really, at that time, I I'd kind of reached another breaking point a little bit. Uh, like I told you, right, the hustle here in L.A. is tough, right? You're competing with so many people trying to do the work that you're doing. You're trying to get in the doors to get booked for auditions. You're trying to find an agent. You're trying to get work, right, and then sustain some momentum once you do get it. Uh, and I'd gotten to that point where I'd build some momentum and then kind of hit a brick wall and nothing was opening up. I wasn't getting cast for this. I wasn't getting, uh, I wasn't getting uh, a manager to rep me in all these different areas. And so, like, I kind of reached 
this like point where I was like, I need to switch it up and do something different. Um, and especially at that time, content was king and everybody was like, hey, the way to really be able to open up opportunities for yourself is to really be able to create something for yourself, create something that people can now see you as, where especially on the acting side, where it could be easier for you to get cast for different projects. Uh, and so I really just started tapping back into my roots and really thinking about what was true and authentic to me. And I'd always been this like science nerd that was into music and entertainment, and all these different things. Uh, but I never really found a way to fuse both of them together. And the whole hip hop science platform came from me realizing like, hey, now that I'm out here and I'm doing, my, doing what I, I love doing and pursuing my artistic side, it's like I can now find a way to be able to showcase this other side of me that's still authentic and true to me, which was my science nerd side. I was always that, you know, even, even by that time, I was always that person that would always be dropping random science facts and different conversations, right? And we'd be having a conversation like me and you were having about some random topic, whatever. And I'd always just drop random facts about something that's happening in the world of science or some wildlife thing. And people are always like, how do you know this stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I watch Animal Planet, Discovery Channel, my pastime. Like, that's what I do. Like, I just, I just love this stuff. I'd always be immersed into those different science topics and technology and gadgets and, you know, what's happening in space exploration, all these different things. Like, I still had a love for that stuff. Even though I wasn't working as an engineer, I was still heavily involved in things that are happening in the world of science. Uh, and so... I really, so that's kind of, I was remember listening to a song at that time. I remember specifically, it was a Rick Ross song uh, of him talking about he had a house, uh, yeah, he had a, a house um, uh, uh, bigger than Oprah's or he had a house on acres that were larger than Oprah's or whatever. And I started thinking about like, oh, like, you know, these different facts, right? You think about music and, and artists kind of breaking down outlandish lyrics, right? Just saying the most frivolous things possible. And, you know, we listen to it, it's fun, whatever. And I, my science nerd side would always be like, is that true? Or like, what's the actual mathematical like element of that? You know, that's kind of how my brain is always wired. <laughs> and so the hip hop science really started as, as kind of this like fun, uh, comedic uh, sketch idea where I'll just be like fact checking different lyrics, right? So like the artist would say something and I'd be like, is this true or not? And dissect like the mathematical feasibility of it or whether or not it was scientifically relevant and these different things, right? Uh, and that's really how I, the whole hip hop science platform started was just this sketch idea of finding scientific elements within different music songs. And from there, it just continued to snowball. I started putting out content, started doing stuff on YouTube. And from there, it, some eyes got on it. And at the time I was in a development deal with Kevin Hart's network uh, to really like turn this into a show. And like just things just started kind of snowballing and accumulating. And I started realizing that people were learning from this content. People were getting educated. At the same time, people were having fun. And I was having fun because I was able to merge things that I loved. I could watch music videos and then also talk about science elements at the same time. And to me, that was just dope. And so it was really like the full culmination of everything that I was passionate about. That's that's awesome, man. Um so walk us through some of those science elements too, man. Like uh, what were some songs or music or whatever that you broke down that people were like, yo, I never thought about it like that, or that was really interesting in, in terms of breaking it down on a scientific level. Yeah. Um, so like, even like, so I think one of my first early videos, I talked about something like I mentioned that, that Rick Ross reference, right. In that video, I, I took all these like crazy mathematical elements, right. He would talk about 
I have a house on on 100 acres. You didn't even know it, right? And I break down how like I break down how big an acre is, right? And how many houses could actually possibly fit on an acre if he said he had a house this size. And so it was like breaking down these mathematical equations based on his lyrics. Uh, and so that was kind of one of the first early videos that I did was kind of breaking down some mathematical sides. Uh, and then eventually it kind of go into all sorts of different areas. It might be a biology reference. It might be a, a Migos song where they're talking like a uh, uh, green Lamborghini, a tortoise or something like that. Right. And I break down the difference between tortoises and turtles and and why tortoises and turtles have different colorations for different reasons based on their habitats and where they lived. Right. And whether or not this reference was actually true. And so that's kind of the direction that a lot of these fun kind of mythbuster style breakdowns went was just kind of taking these song lyrics and breaking them down in fun interesting ways right and a lot of times you think about it right you just listen to songs and you know we just we just listen to these things and we recite these lyrics but you're not necessarily paying attention to what people are saying and i think that was the coolest part of people were actually now paying attention to songs and I remember people would like people would start listening to songs and then send me different references and like have me fact check. Like, is this true? <laughs> you know, like and that was really the cool part was that now it became this interactive thing where you can now this this media that we're already consuming music and entertainment, even like movie references. Right. Breaking down uh, some fictional movie that had to deal with space and gravity and being able to break down, like, could this actually happen if they were in outer space? Would they be floating around like this? breaking down what would be going on with their hair if they were actually in microgravity, all these different things, right? So now you can watch movies, you can listen to songs, and you can now think about them in a more complex way. And that's how my mind worked. And I realized there were a lot of people whose minds work like that too, but they didn't really think about it until somebody mentioned it. And now they're like, oh, I'm looking at this in a different way. And for me, that was the cool part about taking that breakdown in a unique way was now people can watch these different mediums that they already consume on a regular basis they can watch them and they can enjoy them in a whole different way from a foundation of science. Yeah, that is awesome, man. So you pretty much, you know, took the huge risk on yourself. Um, what are some of the things that looking back now that you've had opportunities to do as a result of chasing your passion and your dreams and um, where are you at with everything now? So what are some things that you're doing, you're working on, and you've really enjoyed as a result of chasing what you're passionate about? Yeah. Uh, I've definitely had a chance to do a lot of amazing explorations uh, with my hip hop science platform. Uh, so when I started it, right, I started out as that sketch idea. It took some time before it really, really caught on. And it wasn't really, honestly, until the past like three years or so that uh, the platform really, really started to make waves. And how long did you have it before? I've been doing it probably for like five, five years or so now. Wow. It's been a minute. Um, you were like you were patient on this man like that's amazing <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure like i've been putting the work in early on on this and like i said when i start putting out that content early on uh you know i had a couple of videos that kind of went like that uh, got some attention on youtube and like i said I, I i was in a development deal uh with kevin hart's digital company um right. LOL at that time um and i was like oh this is gonna be my breakthrough like this is gonna be the game changer right here we were slated to be the flagship show on this new platform. Uh, got a chance that we had this whole pretty much launch party where Kevin came through, a bunch of other people that were going to be part of this programming. We got to meet, connect. We did this whole party, festivities, everything, right? Red carpet, all this stuff. 
And I was like, yes, this is about to blow. We're about to, we're about to develop this show and this is about to take off. Um, and then, you know, Hollywood is a very fickle industry, right? Mm. Things can be going like this. And before you know it, they completely flatline. Uh, and that's kind of what happened. We got shelved for a while. Uh, there were some things going on internally that we still don't know really what was happening. Uh, and then we got shelved again. And then before we knew it, it was a year, two years. Uh, and at that time, I kind of signed on to a kind of, uh, you know, this strange deal. Um, and I really couldn't put out any content. I couldn't really do a lot of things that I wanted to do on my own because we were in locked into this deal. And so there was some time in there where like I really couldn't do a lot of the work that I wanted to until later on when I was able to move on from that finally and started to do a lot of stuff on my own. I had to kind of rebuild it again from scratch in kind of a new light and everything. And so, so it definitely took some time to scale. And I tell people this all the time, like regardless of whatever business you're doing, as an entrepreneur, it's never it's never a straight line to success, right? There's always going to be ups and downs, and perseverance at the end of the day is key. You have to stick with it. You have to believe in what you're doing. You have to be passionate about it, and then you have to be resourceful. You have to try new things, right? You have to reinvent yourself. Uh, and I did that multiple different times. I reinvented the type of content that I made. If you look at the content that I did early on when I started, it's vastly different than the content that I'm making now. Obviously, it's gotten better. Uh, you know, higher quality, all these different things, but I've also been able to hone in to what it is that I do. And now I have a chance to be able to do a lot of unique STEM outreach work with kids. I do a work for K through 12. I do work with college students. I do work with adults. I do work with corporations and brands, all sorts of different things. And that's really the coolest part about this platform has been able to take me a lot of different places. I spent 30 days out at sea last year on board an exploration vessel doing a lot of marine science, marine biology work uh, on the board, the EV Nautilus, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, I've had a chance to experience weightlessness on a zero gravity flight. Uh, I, I'm on board of directors for this rainforest uh, uh, conservation uh, group, and I may have opportunity to go to Ecuador and do a rainforest exploration later on this summer. Um, just so many just different cool things. I've done keynote presentations with educators, done outreach work in schools, um, all sorts of different things. Uh, and all of this has, has been afforded to me because of the work that I do, the content that I'm putting out, uh, and the engagement that I've been able to have with a lot of different communities. And so that's really been exciting. And like I said, that explorer that I was a kid, like I'm still that avid explorer. I still love you know, doing YouTube videos where I just go outside and I do backyard science stuff and I show the wonders of nature right outside. Uh, I just get to do a lot of fun, cool things that I naturally just love doing and, I ha and have loved doing since I was a kid. And so I get to, in a way, feel like I'm a kid again, just doing this work now. So to me, that's been the coolest part about having this platform. Yeah, that is that is great work, man. Um, another part of you of what you do too is you're part of uh, this science summit that you organize. So can you talk to us about that and what that is intended for and who you're trying to get um, to, to be a part of that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the STEM Success Summit, uh, it is a dope, dope, dope event. Uh, and it was and it really started out because uh, I got a chance to now connect with other people in the science community by doing this work. Right. Um, obviously, I highlight diversity and inclusion in a lot of the work that I do and the lack of representation, lack of people that look like us in the STEM fields. And I started realizing there are more people that look like me that are doing this work. And that's also the other great part about 
this hip hop science platform is now I've been able to be a part of this amazing community of diverse working professionals, uh, in other engineers, astrophysicists, uh, biologists, marine scientists, uh, all these different uh, unique areas in STEM where you have black people doing this work, right? Uh, that also have similar passions that are into entertainment and dance and all pop culture and all these different things, right? And so I'm starting to realize like we have an amazing community, uh, but there's still a bunch of us that are out there that don't know where to find people that look like them, that right. don't have people that look like them in their workforce are probably dealing with the things that I dealt with when I was in my engineering position. And so the STEM Success Summit was really as a way to be able to bridge that gap, to be able to empower, uh, you know, diverse people from diverse backgrounds that are already in the STEM fields, to be able to find other people that look like them, to be able to network with people that look like them, to be able to inspire them, uh, give them the motivation that they need to, per to persevere, be able to give them the tools, the resources that they need to be able to be successful in their own STEM careers, be able to learn how to navigate their own paths in their fields, how to overcome trials and tribulations that they would face when it comes to discrimination and diversity in their workplace, all these different things, right? These, all these elements that I didn't have or a lot of us didn't have when we were struggling in our own careers, right? And we now are in this science, in this SciComm space where we're communicating science and we can be able to bring these opportunities and this knowledge to other people who are dealing with the same struggles that we dealt with. Uh, and so it's really a summit aimed at uh, young working professionals ages 18 through 34 uh, to really be able to now connect with others that look like them, be empowered financially, uh, emotionally, because we do things about, you know, uh, your mental health and mental well-being and mental awareness, all these different things, uh, all this, this whole kind of full circle that really gives us the tools that we need to be successful, we give them that at this summit. And it's, we've been doing it now for three years. This past one was our third summit. We'll have our fourth one coming up in person this year, um, likely in Atlanta. We'll probably do our first in-person event. Uh, and so we're, it's super exciting. And to me, it's great because we continue to build this amazing community and people are super excited because now they can see others that look like them doing work and it gives them the inspiration that they need to continue to persevere in their own fields. Absolutely, man. That is great. Great work right there. Uh, is there a set time frame that you do it in every year or um, is it different? Yeah, we usually do it like the third week of November. So usually around like uh, November 17th around that time it kind of it, it kind of changed a little bit this year uh but it's usually for about three days uh usually about a three-day conference uh and we we started doing it virtually even before the pandemic happened so our first one that we did was actually in uh 2019 it was before the pandemic uh and we were doing it as just a way to make it easy for people right because we knew we this community was started online we had these people that were you know, had their STEM platforms or showcasing the work that they were doing on social media. And we're like, okay, how can we be able to find an easy way for all of us to collab? And doing it virtually was just an easy way for all of us to be able to connect. And so we had this whole like Slack channel. Uh, we did everything kind of on this live feed where everybody can tune in and you can listen to speakers talk. You can listen to other people that were doing amazing work in their own fields, kind of talk about their career paths. Uh, and so we started out as this virtual platform and then obviously the pandemic happened. And so in 2020, we were able to continue doing what we had already started, which was this virtual uh, summit. And so we did it virtually in 2020. And then last year it was virtual as well. But the past two years, 
our core group that organizes this was able to get together and we were able to bring everybody that event by us hosting in person. And so we were able to do all of the uh, connections and everything that we needed as far as bringing on speakers and bringing that energy and excitement on this virtual live feed. And this year, like I said, we're excited to do our very first in-person one where we can actually have people that are that signed up and register for the summit to attend in person and to be able to actually do in-person workshops, seminars, uh, networking events to be able to now continue to build that community. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to get into a short little segment here called what's your favorite identifying a few of your favorite things. Um, so, Ooh, okay. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, we got to get the hip hop in, you know, usually people ask for the top five, but you could, be shorter or longer, depending on what you want. So who are some of your favorite all-time artists, hip-hop artists? Nas. I'm a huge Nas fan. All right. Uh, Nas will always be my top. Uh, I'm also a big Wu-Tang fan. Uh, Wu-Tang, the greatest group ever ever constructed. So I've, I've always been a Wu-Tang head. So that's definitely my group. Uh, big Ghostface Killer fan. Big Eminem fan. Uh, J. Cole is definitely on, uh, on my top list uh, for artists. Joyner Lucas. I'm a big Joyner Lucas fan. Oh, man. Um, man, that's my guy right there. Uh, so, yeah, those are not, and not, not in any particular. Obviously, that's not my top five. That's just kind of artists that I'm, you know, currently listening to and I'm on and a vibe with. So kind of that whole full spectrum of a little old school, new school as well, too. But, uh, you know, at any given time, man, I got everything. I got everything on my playlist, man. Like I have no like I'm always willing to, I'll always give an album at least a shot. You know, I might skip through some songs, but I'll at least, I'll at least listen. You know what I'm saying? I'll give, I'll give most artists a shot. Uh, but you know me, I'm a, as, as a science guy, right. I'm all about lyricism. I'm, I have a big thing. And also as an artist, right. I have a big thing about lyricism and depth, right. You got to bring something. You got to be a good storyteller. You got to be able to, uh, your production has to be on point. I want to be able to kind of get lost in the music you know and so that's kind of a mentality whenever i'm listening to music right and uh speaking of lyricism of course do you have a favorite scientific reference or lyric um from an artist that you remember Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Ooh, man i would have to really dig uh i have to dig into my no, wu-tang uh, was always talking about science uh, wu-tang was always that uh, wu-tang was always science <laughs> Wu-Tang was always science I mean you can list any and you can list any Wu-Tang song Triumph itself you know what I'm saying Inspector Dex for his belt or anatomically <laughs> I mean, it's just like like you could go for days and I think that's why I really loved Wu-Tang growing up was because like they make you you would think you'd be like damn like it's like I, I hear about these references in the classroom you know and now they're like bringing them on a beat you know and like and that was kind of always my kind of thought process uh when i started i was as an artist was like how can i take this like unique knowledge right these like so there's a scientific verbiage that i have and interplay that into my own work as well too and so yeah yeah for sure for sure wu-tang dropped a lot of scientific knowledge in the music mm-hmm. gotcha gotcha all right uh your favorite science show Ooh, um ooh. so i'm mean, growing up growing up i was a big bill nye fan i love bill nye Watch Bill Nye when it was going up. Even now, like his new uh, revamped show was dope. I love that. There's actually a lot of, I, I guess you would still term these as science shows because I mean, YouTube is, is a streaming platform. A lot of dope creators on YouTube. I'm a big Veritasium fan. Uh, his, his science channel is super dope. 
he really breaks down science in a really like in-depth, uh, in, in really in-depth perspective uh, and goes deep, right? And, uh, and, I tr- and I try to bring a lot of that, uh, those elements infusion that into some of the work that I do. Uh, so Veritasium is super dope. Um, even on the tech side, uh, people don't necessarily look at tech reviewers as STEM, but I put them in that ballpark as well too, because technology is STEM, right? We talk mm-hmm, about science, mm-hmm, technology, mm-hmm. engineering, math, uh, people like MKBHD, he does obviously a lot of phone reviews and tech reviews, but, but he does everything from reviewing electric cars to gadgets, uh, computers, different electronics, right? Uh, and he really breaks it down in a way we think about it scientifically because he talks about how these different systems work, how these, how the memory, database, all these different elements of the tech that we use every single day, how they physically work and why they're good and why they're better than other pieces of tech. And so I definitely consider that STEM. So a lot of times people kind of put that as an outlier. They don't necessarily think of that, oh, that is an area of science, but right. it really mm-hmm. is when you think about an innovation and you think about the new technology that we're utilizing and how it's changing our future and making things more easier and accessible and the technology that we have to be able to send us into space, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it comes from different things like that. So I definitely incorporate all of that into the science world as well. Uh, what has been your favorite scientific breakthrough? Ooh, favorite scientific breakthrough Mm-mm-mm. of all time or just like i guess something you you, <laughs> you think back on or something um you admire yeah um well i just came with one that's on top of my mind just because i'm doing a lot of work with it right now uh you go you look at uh, the development of the james webb space telescope right uh mm. that's uh that nasa put out in uh, into space uh, we're about to get the first images from that in D.C., but that's been a huge breakthrough milestone. One is one of the most innovative, most expensive, most detailed, difficult technological undertakings humankind has ever made, right? To be able to develop this $10 billion telescope that can literally look back in time, right? Uh, just Just the just the elements that went into it are so profound uh, and just kind of showcase the possibilities that we have with technology. The fact that this is going to open our doors to understanding how the universe itself was formed. You think about how much of a breakthrough that is when it comes to astronomy and understanding more about our universe. Uh, That's definitely uh, something right now that's big on my mind and big in the science world and science media right now. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think is a huge, huge uh, scientific breakthrough. Man, that is interesting. I got to look into that at myself, man. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. James Webb Space Telescope. I know you travel around, you go to a lot of different science events. So do you have a favorite event that you've been to so far? Uh, yeah, um, I'll say events. I'll break it down in difference in events and explorations, right? I'll say my 30 days out at sea doing that exploration was one of my funnest like science explorations that I've been on. I really got a chance to be able to work hands-on with marine biologists, marine scientists, and got to communicate a lot of the science that was happening on board the ship uh, to my audience through live streams on the ship's feed and through also my personal uh, platform as well too. So that was super dope. One of the big like life-changing events, like because I'd always had a dream of being part of a research team, right? Especially watching National Geographic and Discovery Channel. You always see you know, these research teams going out to the jungle or the rainforest 
or out in the ocean and capturing different organisms or out in, in the desert, right? And being able to uh, do like crucial biological research that's going to help ensure the survival of a certain species, right? And that always was cool to me to be able to be a part of a research team and do some viable research and discoveries that are going to help either protect our world or help with uh, some physical thing in nature. And I got a chance to do that and be hands-on and work as part of a team doing some really incredible science research. That was awesome. Just this past week, I had a chance to cover MATE ROV World Championships. This is underwater robotics championships. Uh, and it's actually for elementary, middle school, high school, college students, they have different uh, rankings and different age groups that they would compete in. That was super dope. I got a chance to interview students, got a chance to see some of the underwater ROVs that they created, and especially having the opportunity to work with some high-level ROVs while I was on that research vessel, to now be able to see these ROVs that these students made themselves and tested out in the pool and then did competitive activities with was super dope to be a part of and to be able to see like the inspiration and just the knowledge that a lot of these kids had. You have some kids in middle school that are over here like coding and putting together robotics and and constructing a, an underwater RV. To me, that was just mind blowing. So that was definitely a, a pretty cool event to be part of. Yeah, that that is definitely dope, man. And uh, for you, man, you're, you're a guy of many talents, man. You were on Shark Tank presenting your seasoning business. That, that I think that is really interesting. Um, so what's what's your favorite seasoning flavor? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we have we have our line of chicken salt seasonings. Uh they're basically all-purpose seasonings uh based off an Australian product that we took, brought it here to the US and created a healthier version of it that's MSG free, free of any animal byproducts. But you can use it as a bouillon, you can use it as an all-purpose seasoning, you can use it as a tabletop seasoning in replacement of regular uh, uh regular table salt. We have six different flavors. I'm a big lime guy. Uh, uh, we have this lime flavor, which is my absolute favorite. Uh, I also love our red pepper, which is more on the spicy side as well, too. So those would be my top two of our spices, because I got to say my spices, because our spices are the best. Right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so those are, are my favorite ones. Um, but we also have a line of plant-based chicken as well, too. We have this really innovative recipe. It's a dry mix. You just add water and oil and you can shape it into any chicken substitute that you want. You can shape it into patties, into nuggets, into kebabs. Uh, and you can grill it. You can throw it on the air fryer. You can throw it on a frying pan. Uh, and it's a great uh, meat substitute for people that are looking for more vegan options. And so we've been it's been really dope to be able to be a part of that project as well. And, you know, like I said, growing up, I was always into music entertainment, but I was always into just doing new things and trying new things and exploring new options and just being an entrepreneur and working for myself. So I always had a dream of definitely being an entrepreneur. And I get to do that by doing my science communication work because I, I work by my I work for myself. I, I get to do these amazing explorations and put out content on social media. Uh, but doing the business side with our seasoning and our plant-based chicken is also another entrepreneurial outlet for me to be able to do something new and interesting and exciting. And it's a completely new space. I obviously don't have any background in food, but I was able to learn so much and be able to try something new in a whole different field. And to me, being able to do new, new unique things is always of interest to me. So that's definitely been an exciting journey for sure. That is dope, man. Um, all right, last one. Your favorite life gym. 
your favorite life gym that anybody has given you that you were able to utilize in life? Yes, absolutely. That one is easy. It's a, it's a quote that I live by now um, that I heard actually when I was in college. When you find your passion, it becomes your purpose and you can no longer be passive. Uh, that quote is like stuck with me. Uh, it, I live by it. Um, I breathe it, you know, and whenever I have the chance, I try to bring that to others as well, too. And that's really been the journey of my life, right? You think I talk about, we talked about my whole story of getting into the work that I'm doing with my hip hop science platform. It started out for me trying to find my passion, right? Trying to find out what I love doing and this culmination of all these different areas of what I love doing. And once I found that, I knew what my purpose was, which was to be able to encourage, uh, motivate, spark curiosity, especially in diverse communities, and to be able to encourage more minority and youth involvement into the STEM fields. And then you can no longer be passive. Now that I know what my purpose is and I know what I'm doing with this platform, like now I can go out into the world and do amazing things. I can go and inspire others. Uh, I can continue. I could get up every day and do this work. I could get up every day and create content, even though it takes a lot of work. I'm always pulled in different directions. I'm busy all the time because I'm running the. I'm running basically two full time businesses at the moment. Uh, but I can't be passive about it anymore because I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing that work and who it's benefiting. And so that's definitely a quote that I live by. When you find your passion, it becomes a purpose. And you can no longer be passive. Yeah, that, that is a good one. I'll remember that one. Um, all right. Uh, so diving back into, you know, STEM in the field of science, uh, you've looked into a lot of different, you know, new technology, new scientific research, new breakthroughs, new everything that you are part of. So what are you most excited about in the field of STEM as we look into the future? I would say there's a lot happening right now, uh, primarily in health. Um, and I know you do work in health, which is amazing. Um, there's, there's a lot of traction right now in just new innovation. And especially when you think about incorporating engineering, bioengineering uh, into health, there's a lot of breakthroughs right now happening, especially on the cellular, molecular level. Uh, you think about like, you know, studies and, and research that's being done in regenerating limbs, right? Mm. Uh, stuff oh, yeah, like I saw that episode. You did an episode yeah. on that. Yeah, to me, stuff like that is really, really cool uh, because we're able to take a lot of different things that we learn from nature and find out how they can benefit us as humans. And you and you think about things like biomimicry, right, and, and things that we've designed that help make our lives easier as humans that are based off of things that we learn about nature. And now to be able to utilize nature's natural abilities, nature's natural problem solving, nature's uh, natural healing elements and regenerative properties to be able to now find ways to be able to infuse that into human life. To me, that type of research is really cool because now we can take the world around us. And it also gives us a better understanding of why it's so important to protect our planet, why it's so important to address issues about climate change uh, and conservation and sustainability and renewable resources because we have all these things, different things around us that we could potentially use to help save our future and give us the ingredients, the chemicals, the resources and abundance that we need to be able to ensure the future of humanity. And being able to now make those connections is really going to give us a better appreciation for our planet as a whole. And so I'm definitely excited for those types of breakthroughs. 
speaking of the future, uh, looking into your legacy and how you want to be remembered and the work that you're doing and the work that you're going to continue to do, what do you want people to remember about who you are and the work that you're doing right now? Yeah, I have this uh, phrase that I use in, uh, in all my content uh, and speaking engagements that I do as well. It goes, uh, curiosity is nature's PhD. And it's really about how uh, never stop asking questions, how uh, being inquisitive and asking questions can open up so many doors for you. And a lot of times we focus so much on educational aspect, obviously, which is important. But in order to even just get into education, you have to be curious. You have to want to know about the world around you and how the world works and ask from others. Talk to your peers. Uh, if you're in the classroom asking questions, and I think it's really important to spark curiosity, especially in our youth, at a chance, obviously, to talk with your daughter and, and to be able to see that curiosity in her of wanting to ask questions and wanting to know why, why I do the work that I do, uh, and then ask about what she's passionate about doing, what she wants to explore. I think it's really important to implore, especially to our youth, to stay curious. And I want people to remember that from my platform, that I was somebody that was curious and wanted to know more about the world around me whether whatever area of STEM it was, whether it was biology or wildlife or space exploration or technology, that I wanted to be able to spark that curiosity and excitement in others and inspire others to want to learn more and to step outside the box and be creative and be willing to explore different opportunities and to be able to find yourself in different places and to be able to go after what you're passionate about. Uh, that's really what I want people to take away from the work that I do is that you can be curious, you can be inquisitive, you can have the love for learning you could have this ambition and be multifaceted and interested in different topics and different areas and different careers uh but then also still be your true authentic self and regardless of whatever space you're in and so i think if anything that's the biggest takeaway that i want people to walk away from when they see the work that i'm doing and participate in the work that i'm doing as well absolutely man thank you for that man i always tell my students too like the smartest people on the planet ask the most questions so um when they get all shy about asking questions so that is definitely facts uh man um appreciate having you on the program and the the amount of gems you gave us today man i'm very appreciative uh we usually ask our guests to leave us with their favorite quote and what it means to them but i think you gave us a lot of quotes already i don't know if you want to repeat already yes (laughs) i don't know if you want to repeat any but um i think you did give us some quotes um, yeah, when you find your passion, it becomes your purpose, and you can no longer be passive. And curiosity is nature's PhD. If there's any two quotes to take away, those would be the two for sure. All right, there it is. Uh, for those of us that are interested in following your work, uh, being a part of the summit, or even purchasing some seasoning salt, uh, where yeah. can we find you? Uh, yeah, you can, for my science work, uh, you can find me on all platforms at Hip Hop Science Show. Uh, you could also check out my website, hiphopscienceshow.com. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at the hip hop MD. Uh, so those are all my platforms. And I'm on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, all the big platforms. You can find me there. And then for my seasonings work, my food work, uh, our name of the company is Jada, Jada Brands. So you can find us, jadabrands.com. Uh, you can find our products on Amazon, on our website. Uh, you just look for chicken salt or look for a plant-based chicken and all of our products will definitely pop up. So you can check out uh, that for that work. Uh, and then for the STEM Success Summit, 
Uh, that's really easy. If you just Google STEM Success Summit or go to our website, stemsuccesssummit.com. Uh, you can also definitely find it through my hip hop science platform because most of the, a lot of the core people in our team, I'm all connected with. Uh, but you can definitely find out more about our upcoming summit, which will be happening in November, uh, which will be in person in Atlanta, more details to come. Uh, but if you're looking to get some inspiration, find people that look like you, be able to network, uh, be able to get tips on how to succeed, uh, succeed and excel in your own STEM career journey, that's definitely the summit that you need to be at. All right, there it is. Uh, appreciate that. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll also be waiting on the Hip Hop MD album, you know, whenever uh-huh. it comes out. We'll be waiting on that. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Anything's possible at this point. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Again, I appreciate your time, man. Appreciate the gems. Um, I definitely think we'll have you back on at some point. Uh, listeners, definitely check out the Hip Hop Science Show on Instagram. Check out the website um, and definitely look into some of the stuff that the Hip Hop MD is doing in the world of science for us. So appreciate that. Um, Definitely share the program. Uh, Thank you for listening. And of course, remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind. Turn this thing into gold, see this is alchemy They never know, never